Hey, this is William. It's about 2.30 on Friday, and I'm about to talk to my guest for the week, the designer Serban Ionescu. I first found Serban's work through someone who's actually also been on Image Culture, the designer Fernando Mastrangelo. Fernando curated a show uh, back in 2018. I think it was the second edition of a show he does every year called In Good Company. It's a, it's a design group show. And Serban had a piece in that show that was sort of a double-sided chair it was made from metal. It's kind of a bright mint green color, and it really stood out to me. So I actually made a trip to Serban's studio back in 2018, and I photographed him there, and we've stayed friends since then. So we've been talking about doing a podcast together for quite some time, so now it's just coming together. So Serban's work is interesting. He has a real sense of play. Um, I think most of his work comes from drawing initially. He's got this really amazing ability to make these very quick drawings, these almost automatic uh childlike doodles, cartoons, and then he almost analyzes them, flattens them, and turns them into these individual flat elements that he pieces together. Often he renders things in CNC cut metal, so there's always this kind of tension between the very naturalistic, uh, quick sense of the hand-drawn and the very precise nature of the machine-cut metal. There's a lot of humor and there's a lot of sense of play. I think he's a bit of a renaissance man. He, he kind of does a little bit of everything. He's always kind of surprising me with a, with a project he's doing. Anyway, so I'm very happy to have Serban on the show. And uh, here I am with Serban Ionescu. I think I started, like, you know, of course, like 10 years in a, you know art studio. You know, I was my, just briefly, my background, as you know, is architecture. I was, I was kind of like in the architecture world and, and I just was a little bit dis- dissatisfied with, with the long process and being a massive profession, it, it taking a long time to produce. I'm very much impulsive and I, I, I really like to have a result, either good or bad. I, I love, I'm like Woody Allen of filmmaking. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have to have, I have to produce a bunch, you know, and there's mm-hmm. Stanley Kubrick's, which produce, you know, so, so there's two different schools of thought, but I, I like producing a lot of work. So, so the architecture, I felt like it was a little bit kind of, it, it wasn't allowing my imagination to fully kind of, and I'm talking about, this is, you know, 2007. So we're yeah. looking, you know, after I graduated from Pratt Institute. And slowly, you know, there was aspects of community that, that I really loved. And kind of through these different uh, kind of tributaries, I started kind of ending up in an artist studio. And mm-hmm. I started having an art practice or art malpractice, <laughs> uh, whatever you want to call it. And that was like where I was just going to the studio, drawing, painting, making sculpture. And I kind of like, it was void of designer or, or architecture. It was, it was completely, and up until maybe four, four and a half years ago, I I wasn't thinking about it. Like, I was always like, you know, I always, I love architecture. I study architecture. I, I, I still love architecture. Um, but I always saw it separated. And then mm-hmm. I... I've always built my environments. Let mm-hmm. it be a loft in bed Let it be a small apartment in Red Hook. I've always been able to, and I've been interested. In, it was something that we did in school too with my colleagues in school. We would always build like, basically it was like a chef that cooked home as mm-hmm. well. You know, so it was like us not just preaching these ideas in, in drawing or school. It was like, hey, let's build these environments that we were like excited about yeah. in school. So we were building, you know, within art means at that time. So it was usually just plywood stuff. But I kind of came out of the tradition of that. So I've always built my stuff. So fast forward a little bit to almost four years ago, I was building this new apartment, kind of new life. I was in love. I was starting a whole new kind of, I was opening myself up as well, you know, and I started building furniture for this apartment. 
it was kind of inspired by the studio practice, but it was also I was able to tap into the architecture background. So it was mm -hmm. the first time that I was able to to marry these things that I have been kind of running parallel to each other, but never connecting. They were very separated since mm -hmm. school. And that's when things really like clicked to me. I was like, oh, shit. Like, and it felt good. Well, you know, it, mm -hmm. it felt like I was able to. I was able to achieve certain things that I was achieving, let's say, in my in my art practice, but I was also able to tap into like a history that it was me, that it felt very natural, that it was that that I felt like I was like, you know, I'd tell somebody about my mm -hmm. past in a certain way. You know, it felt so like relieved, you know, of like, you know, coming to terms with these, you know, this this history, you know. Mm -hmm. That's where it kind of that's where kind of the furniture and the design kind of resurfaced, and and it's been kind of going strong since then. And mm -hmm. once that kind of clicked in place, I then you know I kind of like I was like this is something, this is important, and you know it was the eureka moment, or you know like it, it was like oh sh okay okay like this is good, I could I could work off this, and then from that I kind of created this delta of of, of infinity in some way, and then mm -hmm. I was able to like. And now what I'm working on actually is like shifting in scales and like not it just being furniture, it being potentially I just last at, at the end of last year, I just completed my first kind of large sculpture like that you could enter. So mm -hmm. it's almost like a, a miniature building, but it's like so I'm excited about that to share that with people. Is, is this uh, uh, is this chapel for an apple? Yes, it is. See, this is a this was a very mysterious project when I was I was you know doing my little digging before this, and I you know I, there's whispers and mentions of Chapel for an Apple everywhere. But uh, yes, what what can you what can you tell me? Is it still is it still under wraps? It's it's there. It's living. It's breathing. I I was just I just saw photos of it a few days ago. It's in Hudson Valley. It's there. It's breathing. It has to have some minor polishing just because we were working on it when it was really cold and mm -hmm. just the, the materials that we were using need to have a certain temperature to work with, like the paint, the finish. There was a foundation as a foundation, as a concrete foundation. You know, it was a crane. It was, it was, it was a, it was a, an amazing feeling to work at that scale. Is it a chapel? Is it an actual, like, are you thinking about it as a chapel? Uh, it's like, it's, it's a chapel in the sense that it could be, of of a of a mysterious function you know mm -hmm. and like i hope to convey something like that you know once you right once you're in it so chapel in that sense it's not a religious uh, it's not a religious instrument or, or, or anything like that. but it is it is but, cool because i i do think there's kind of a great history of of artist chapels you know it's kind yeah. of like fun to throw your hat in that ring well it's one of those things you know it's a folly right it's a building of, of almost no meaning right mm -hmm. like uh, no function but then there's a lot of function and engineering and like planning and you know it, it was a big feat but it was also at the same time it was i had the same feeling that i had when i first did that chair for my apartment it was like mm -hmm. oh shit, i have this this is kind of within my kind of like structure of my past you know mm -hmm. um the scale to walk and to touch it to feel this this kind of scale and mass it was very uh, i hope to do more looking back that first chair that you did that you say you had you felt that same excitement that same spark for that you built for your apartment uh what what was that chair specifically what was that one like that first one i, I still have it in my in my house in red hook i uh pinocchio it's called Kind of, it was the first. It was this wooden, you know, made out of scraps of wood I had mm. in the studio. Uh, it was one of those those things, you know. I think from being in the studio and, and kind of moving away from 
from design, I like for all those years and just having kind of like a studio practice mm-hmm. where you go in and you just kind of like, you know, you just have the weight of yourself on you, on you, you know, and it's, it's, so you just, so it was kind of, I kind of approached it like that. It was one of these chairs that I kind of like, I, I drew on the wood and I cut the wood. It was very one-to-one. I then cut it. I sculpted it. It was, it was this thing that, you know, I was the client. There was no, if I, if it sucked, I would, accept it if it was good I would celebrate it you know it was that it was this kind of freeing moment I remember like I had my studio around that time around amazing around so many amazing people one of them was the the painter Ron Gorchoff Mm -hmm. and what I learned from him at least now I could see what I've learned from him from observing his studio practice was like he would create these I don't know if you're familiar with his paintings there are these kind of like kind of convex or kind of complex kind of almost like Pringle like shape canvases yeah and there was this very loose oil paint on top of it which is usually speaks of kind of foreground background negative positive and those paintings are done very loosely but there was this whole art like armature that took years and years of design and fabrication for it to get to this point and i really love that contrast of this like really engineered thing and then this kind of almost spontaneous uh kind of very quick like I'm willing to accept this mark that I made because I trust myself because I've been able to fine tune this thing for so long. Yeah, and I think that first Pinocchio chair it had a little bit of that kind of essence, you know, where it was like the essence of the design of it being a chair, right? Of this mm-hmm. gravity, which I was, I knew that I had in me, but also it was very my paintings and drawings of this kind of quickness. So it was kind of the the match of those two things, mm. and people loved it. It was really kind of funny. I would have studio visits. I had, it was in my studio afterwards, and it's yeah. like I would come to people like, "Hey, look at this painting I have made that I've tortured myself over," and people like, "Oh my god, what is this chair? I love yeah. this chair. What is this chair?" And I was like, "What is this? What is it?" You know. So I listened to that as well. It was not not. I think it's important to kind of, I don't know, as I get older, I, I hope to be more open to criticism, open to allowing those things in, you know, seeing mm-hmm. how people react to things and reading that a little bit more. A couple things come to my mind. This this chair, uh, this first one was done in wood. You know, you, you make this jump to working in metal. One of the things that I think is so interesting about a lot of your work, not that, you know, not all of your work is metal, but it's kind of like what you're talking about. There's this tension between the precision of the CNC cut metal, this you know this almost programmed, very very precise movement, and the the loose quality of your of your drawings that they that these shapes come from. So how and when did you make that jump to working with metal? Uh, metal was was kind of there like around kind of parallel to like my studio practice i was i was doing uh, I, I taught design at rancelier polytech institute for for on and off for five years and i also was running i started running a friend's design fabrication shop mm-hmm. dealt mainly in steel so that's where i kind of like it, it was this material that I was kind of working with, but as I was making the things out of wood, the thing that I was that was kind of not bothering me, but it, it was it was you still it still read like three quarters material, still read like a certain outside material, and I, and I was really interested to how to like dematerialize this this stuff that I'm making, and I'm like, and I hope you know, sure it's steel and it's it's welded and it's and it's, it's CNC. It's important to me that process, 
but also for me it was to like dematerial like how can i how much how much more material can i take away from it and what mm-hmm. would that material be? i kind of stumbled upon it just lacked like i just wanted to take material as much material away as possible mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't have like that texture that the wood has it's on it's this like clean slate that you can clean slate but also the thickness of it it's almost mm-hmm. like when, when you look at it from a certain angle or something like that like holy shit this is like paper thin yeah you know so i really i really wanted to kind of like dematerialize it in that way to where where like you don't even know what material it is. But for me, it's not even important what material it is. It's for me, I'm interested in the, the line quality, the the edge quality, and then the the volume quality, and then kind of then the volume is the negative and positive, and and then almost humor and all these other things that kind of emotional interest as well. But and that's where where I kind of stumble upon steel, and also going back to how I made that first Pinocchio chair was, I drew on it. I drew on it exactly right. And then I, whatever I drew on that, I cut. But I'm also very much interested in scale. And then I started doing that. I did a few steel pieces like that where I would draw on the steel and then cut the steel. And then, but there was something I wasn't able to kind of move back from it. It was very like the scale of it was, I was only as long as my arm, you know, 20 some inches away from the material that I could draw. I wasn't able to zoom out. So this aspect of scale. So then I started, I started, taking my drawings and and bringing them in in the computer so then the scale this idea of scale kind of came in and I, and that's kind of something that i'm taking to chapel mm-hmm. that's something that i'm taking to some of my smaller works that i'm doing scale is so important to me to just how to how can they shift in that how can they move how can something small could actually represent something larger mm-hmm. and, and or vice versa how can a, f- a piece of furniture be you know a building you know and i love like you know Adore Sotsas, you know he was yeah. you know i think he said something was like as a young man i couldn't do architecture but now it is a, you know he was able to do all these designs and architecture and, and designs and furniture and then at a much older age he was able to apply that to architecture and mm-hmm. you know he did a lot of beautiful homes at the end of his career yeah i, I don't know i, I kind of i wanted to bring in that element of scale so that's how i kind of stumbled upon like working with steel you know it helped me and i also make paper models mm-hmm. you, i think you've seen some of them in my I love, studio so. i love the paper models they're so charming <laughs> that's how that's how chapel came about you know i had a studio visit with, with my buddy sloan which he commissioned the piece he came over to a studio visit and we were talking and he saw i had like a model of, of chapel and, and literally i built that model it was any day in the studio I came and I just it was not intended to be anything it had no program I had nothing it was just me playing and constructing something for the sake of that only and he saw this thing and he's like what is this and I kind of like I think I even I think that's how the name came about it as well because I was like oh this is chapel for an apple I'm like I'm rapping and shit yeah so I'm just like this is chapel for an apple and he's like what is it i'm like i don't know it could be you know it's a it's you know it's a chapel you know it's you know and he's like how much to you know build it at this size you know so it was like i was like whoa like it had so much power this little like six inch paper model and uh and someone reacted to it and someone you know and that if you see kind of the original model of chapel to kind of the finished piece of chapel i stayed kind of true to that because i was like you know, sometimes when you're in, like, when I build these things and I'm not thinking of anything and they're just kind of like freestyling, something, I tap into something that I have no control over. And I think there's some something amazing in that moment. Mm-hmm. So the paper, you know, the paper is also a good way of me, like, being able to, you know, it's like a steel sheet or it's a, a sheet material. And and that's, archi- I think that's my architecture background too, just working with constructing things, you know, building instead of, subtracting i'm adding i'm you know working with planes i've always been excited to put things together in that in that tectonic there's this other side to it 
that you were talking about this this emotional element. I think you said there's a humor and and uh, to these things. All these objects that are that are you know some are functional, some are more functional than others. They all have this character quality. The way that you name your work, you know, that first chair naming naming your chair Pinocchio, that immediately puts you in a completely different headspace. It makes you look at the object completely different than prove a chair number six. You know what I'm saying? So how is the naming important to you? How do you how do you start to put that idea together? I, like when I was when I was teaching with my students, I was teaching first year of design and I always taught them that you have to tap into, you know, who you are, not just, you know, who you were before here. You know, I'm I'm very interested in, in kind of these kind of these kind of continuations of, 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 of the self, you know, through phases, through change. And I don't know, I would always bring up this idea of like example of like, I would talk about it kind of as this like mysterious way of like the cat in space. And, and it's still like, uh, and it meant like the cat, like something in the room, you know, something in space, something where there was that sometimes we forget about, sometimes that we we could love, sometimes we could look at, we could approach it, it could approach us. It was this thing that I was always interested uh, about that idea that there's this thing. And then I, I, that's how I kind of start approaching looking at objects. Like I was thinking about sculpture in that way, where it was this thing that is in the space is a little bit more abstract. So you're accepting that abstraction, you're accepting that mystery of that thing in the space. But with a chair or something that speaks of a long lineage of, of it has that kind of universal syntax, but I kind of approached it in that way, kind of this kind of cat in space idea where it was, it was this kind of this mystery, this character, this thing. And, and I really was interested in kind of how do I, can I bring that to the object and it being used in some way. The character kind of popped in, the pet, the character, the, the, the character is pet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I love cinema and I love, I love complexity of characters. You know, I love how Bergman approaches a character. The, the complexity of that. Uh, so I was kind of trying to tap into all those things and all the things that I kind of, and give it potentially a life that could exist past me. And I don't, I don't really know, you know, I don't really know how that continues, right? That's the a big question. Like mm-hmm. how something exists past once I, I could name it, I could make it. And then once it's in the world, it's, it's really hard to kind of, kind of for that thing to continue. And I hope it does, you know, I, I'm told by many people that they still enjoy and they still have certain emotional connection to these objects long past me not having control of that. But uh, I, you know, it was that, it was kind of this, how do I bring this mystery, this thing that's in, in, a, in a space, right? Like mm-hmm. this, like to give it, I don't know if that makes any sense. One of the things we've been talking about is, is how, you know, sort of winding your path has been. But as a young person, did you want to be an architect at, like very, at a very early age? I did, you know, I went to, like, went to high school, I went to high school of art and design in Midtown and uh, near where you grew up and uh, on 57th and 2nd. And it, it, they had an architecture program and, you know, I learned to draft when I was in ninth grade, you know, it, it, my parents are immigrants, you know, I think I wanted to be an artist mm-hmm. and I feel like there was certain pressures from my parents and, you know, coming from communist Romania saying that you're an artist, you know, I, might have they might have not understand it just a different cultural kind of yeah um, and i think just studying architecture and it was like it was like painting on a big scale and it was you know i stumbled Mm -hmm. upon you know eric owen moss and frank gary and all these crazy formalist posts you know like a deconstructive formalist postmodern all this shit in high school and i loved it it was so cool and in college i discovered lebius woods and 
and John Haydick and all these amazing Zahadib. And I, I kind of kept my interest, but also from this artistic kind of very almost non-functional way. Because I love that they made paintings or they made these kind of utopian drawings, this, you know, fan, you know, fantasy architecture kind of tradition and, and just when i when i lost when i lost it, my interest in kind of 2009 came upon that's when i was and i lost my job that was the last time i kind of went to an mm. office during the recession yeah it felt free and i was able to tap into you know something i always drew i had a gallery when i was in college with some friends i always painted i always drew it was always it was always this thing but i was never but then that was kind of like the back that was like the architecture was the foreground and that was kind of like the back and then i kind of basically flipped that 180 and i allowed the art to be full and the architecture to be background mm -hmm. and then mix academia mix fabrication mix it all these different other things in that in that you know in that pot and then when I did Pinocchio, that shit all got stirred, you know, and all came up, came came together. But I don't know if I when I go to bed, I like I think I'm I'm an artist. You know? mm -hmm. yeah. I, I think of myself as that. I don't know more than I, I love architecture, but I wouldn't call myself an architect. I would not want to do a, a fucking building. I yeah. think there's a difference between buildings and architecture. Uh, I, like I, I don't want to draw, you know. Mm -hmm handrail details and handicapped bathrooms i don't or eight vac systems like i i refuse to do that um but i think about it mm -hmm. i think about form and edge and material and light and shadow and movement time you know i think about those things you know what was uh what was your childhood like it was it was interesting like my childhood feels like it feels like a dream because i was in a different place you know i, I was like i was i was born in romania up in, and i came here in 94 i was born in 84 i came to the states in 94. yeah it, it feels like a dream it feels of a different culture it's a different sensibility of people of food of color the color itself you know it's different uh, mm -hmm. i remember how colorful america was when i first came here i started a lecture recently i did like some lecture like a year or two ago and i started with images of mangoes because i never seen a mango until i was age 10 and it yeah. was these colors <laughs> and and you know romania to my memory is like dark and snowy and communist like and but also beautiful and pure and of, of a different of you know of different sensibility you know i think it's a a rich sensibility towards towards mystery towards folklore towards deep has like a deep connection to people i feel like there's this certain like um you know there's this kind of really kind of like connection to nature connection to history connection to uh neighbors and of course it was emerging out of communism connection to family it was mm -hmm. very much about not so much about the individual but very much about kind of this kind of world that you were part of and i feel that memory of that childhood is of that world mm -hmm. i feel like it's never me but it's more of like a, a cast of characters mm -hmm. that i did these things with you know like stealing things doing graffiti smoking my first cigarette you know just doing these dumb things it was sure it was me that i was yeah. uh, part of this world yeah, but it yeah, was yeah. it was the zone man it was the zone it was this <laughs> other it was this other <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's an accurate uh, description, but but it was definitely. I felt like I was part of this something else, and then I came to the states, and and I remember uh, like witnessing graffiti for the first time because I, I think I did graffiti in Romania. I like wrote Metallica on the wall or something. Mm -hmm. like that, you know? and, uh, <laughs> nice tag. And, uh, <laughs> you like it? Yeah. And then uh, I came to the states, and I'm like, I remember 
I came to Queens, you know, so colorful, the supermarket, the toys. I remember like the smell of toys and Toys R Us. I remember the packaging, the packaging smell, like how the vinyl print of the cardboard versus the plastic. I remember just all these, you know, the Ninja Turtle toys were exciting, obviously, and Legos and all these things. So I, rem I remember just like a, a burst of color of, you know, and I didn't really speak English that well. So I, I remember making friends through drawing because I could draw. Mm -hmm. So I was always, you know, I had one of these like, natural talents, I guess, of drawing. And kids were like, oh, shit, this kid could draw. Oh, cool. You're my friend, you know. And I remember the thing that kind of it was graffiti. I remember I was seeing graffiti and I didn't understand there were texts. There were, I didn't understand it was letters. I thought it was shapes. And I was mm -hmm. really excited about this abstract idea that people would put shapes on walls. Um, yeah, I remember my mom describing that they're not shaped, but they're letters. And I still found that intriguing. And it was just like all these different uh, things. And then I stumbled upon sports for a little bit. And then I stumbled upon music and that changed a lot and punk music and New York City, East Village, the Lower East Side, you know, that had, I think that's, that still has like an impact on my impulsive side of things, you know, mm -hmm. was, you know, in different bands, we would make noise and play shows and, you know, it was very quick, nothing was precious. And I think the way I, my, my practice is still like that, like it still has that, like I said, Woody Allen way of working, but it has more of like a, a punk um, um, work ethic, you know, it's yeah. like, quick fast i do a bunch of shit you know yeah, yeah, yeah. uh messy but it's on the wall good, yeah. some of it is bad you know yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like i have to stop too i have to like be like i have to be a bit more like tarkovsky i feel like i have to take my time you know but but i am doing i'm learning that to do with project like chapel that take like a year things that are taking a little bit longer there's a lot there there's a lot there that you know hearing you reflect on that there's no way this is lost on you but there's a lot that really resonates with your work you know that that time of transition like you know i mean color is color is an, a huge part of your work it's super super colorful and 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 bright you know hearing you talk about seeing it like a toy at toys r us you know i mean like there's there's a quality to your work where it's this it's glossy candy colored objects they're funny they you know they have like this face do you think that there's an element where some of that is coming through the work or is that, am I absolutely, reading into absolutely, it? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I'm always tapping into that, those feelings, you know, those, mm. those, those memories. I feel like I'm, those, I want my work to have that, that quality for it to have that excitement of mystery, of potential of, of, you know, and, and kind of like the newer pieces that I've been making, they're all kind of like this size, you know, they're, you know, you could hold them. They're fairly small and they're kind of, they're, I'm calling them toys. Mm -hmm. So they're these kind of things that I've been making out of like little parts. I have some actually here. I know this is an audio thing, but but I have some parts here. You know, they're yeah. they're all made of these little parts that I put together, kind of like an erector set. So I'm like, and I grew up with in Romania. There was that. There was like Russian erector sets, and you know, so I'm definitely those things. I remember I did my first show in Lower East Side. I think it was in 2012 or 2013. I did a solo show called Secret History. It was a show about like kind of tapping into these kind of memories that I had of my Romania past, right? And, mm -hmm. and I I remember playing with these Russian toys and they were all made out of steel and that, and I made all these like steel cars. And that was the first time that I started working with material steel. So I was making these large steel car sculptures, which I still have. And cause I was tapping into that idea of my toys from my childhood, the memory of these toys. I think that stuff is very important. And, but then it's funny before I did colorful work, like five years ago, I started doing colorful work, but prior to that, I did black and white for like, for like five years <laughs> so right maybe I'm, i might go through black and white but i, I was I, I was also welcoming things in my life you know mm -hmm. i was i was 
I think falling in love was 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 a way of loosening up. I feel like creating a new home, uh, you know, just allowing these things. I, I'm a recent father, which that's where the toy idea kind of came out of again. These things, of course, like I have to, I, I would be an idiot not to tap into like these mm -hmm. changing and memories and yeah, it's the only thing I have when I when I go to bed, you know. I, uh, right. yeah. As you know, as I said at the at sort of the beginning of our conversation, I do feel very lucky to have met you at the time that I did because I I do think that it sure. it was um bit of a, a turning point or or at least soon after this this big shift in your work with that creating that first chair in in your apartment. But of course, there has been this other huge turning point in your life where you've you've had your first daughter. How has fatherhood affected your life and work? Well, it was like Mr. Rogers said something like this, where it was like, you know, like for us to uh, tap into like how to teach our children, we have to tap into our, like our own childhood past, right? And mm -hmm. to really be, you know, to play like, oh, sorry, I forgot where, where it was, but it was like to really play, to really be emerged, not just play because you, you're playing for them, but to play with them, you mm -hmm. know? And I love that idea. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. You know, the, it, it has had, I think I've been able to use the energy of being a father towards a constructive way. You know, I, I, I've produced, I produced a lot of work in, in this, in the year, you know, she turned the year last Friday. Last Friday. And wow. That's amazing. Friday. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Wow. So in, in that year, if I reflect, I've learned the notion of time, mm -hmm. time in a different way, you know, time is limited obviously, but also time to, to cherish it in a certain way, to to allow it for it to be in a specific, different little pockets, uh, to compartmentize it in a certain way, to, but also time, William, like that she will live past me. That there's a certain legacy of time as well, right? Like there is something like I only have so much control with my objects, right? Sure, there will some of them will continue past me, but like to have a, a person continue past you, you know, it's it's really it puts you in a, in a time frame mm -hmm. as well, you know? So it's, it's all these, it's all these kind of, kind of thoughts on that, but also energy just to see that, that like even during this shit, you know, during this pandemic, just I'm reading New York times when I'm freaking out my mind, my brain's popping out of my eyes. And then you look over and she's playing with, you know, with her toy and is looking at me smiling and laughing. And you're like, Oh, okay. Like it's, it's, it speaks on this other, this other world, you know? So like, how can I, how can I let the New York times affect me when I have this, you know, when I have this amazing thing, you know, amazing person, this, this person, you know, personality, you know, this new being here, you know, I think that's so exciting. It's my, I'm still like enjoying every second of it, but also I'm just studying it as well. Cause it's so fucking cool, you know, and yeah. it's so wild and, and it's inspiring too, to just like, I think that's when I started making these little toy sculptures. Um, and I'm still thinking, I just, I'm still kind of, you know, I would love to do like a playground. I would love to do, you know, like seeing Noguchi's playgrounds and seeing like, you know, I would love to tap into that, but but also to just enjoy it. I I, I feel I've also learned not to just like enjoy the moment, you mm -hmm. know, and to just immerse yourself. And and it's hard, as you know, like we're in the city that's constantly shifting and moving. And I I feel at times that I'm missing out on all these things. But then I have like I have a family and then a child. You know, it's it's different. It's just different priorities, different different things. You know, and I've I've learned 
not even learned. It just came organically to just enjoy those, you know, 110%. I feel like it's going to be a real trip uh, for her growing up in that apartment in Red Hook. Yeah. Someone was saying that, like, she's going to go to school or, like, pre-K. And she's like, what? Like, chairs are not, like, creatures. And, like, you know, there's not, like, you know, there's, like, regular chairs. You know, mm-hmm. she's going to be blown away by that. Yeah. I, mean, I, like- I can't wait to. <laughs> or she might reject all of this, you know. and just Yeah. She's going to go black and white. She's going to dress all in black. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, not before, maybe I do that. Maybe I go back into that direction. Thanks so much to Serbin for getting on the phone. I'll, uh, I'll keep you up to date on the status of a chapel for an apple. Hopefully we'll see it this summer if the world will allow that. And if not, I'll, I'll drop it in the image culture channels whenever you can see it. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at image.culture. You can follow me at william.jess.laird. Our show is produced by Sarah Levine. Our music is by Jack and Eliza. And I will see you all next week uh, with another conversation from quarantine. Uh, Be well, be safe. Talk to you soon. Bye.